Okay. Anthony, if you'd give us uh, the focus of our discussion tonight, I'd appreciate it. We're going to talk about mistakes. Why on earth are we talking about mistakes? Well, we've been in a series, and this is not part of the series, but we have been talking about the things that would give us strength in this year, the things uh, that we need to exercise. We need to do Bible study. We need to develop godly friendships. We need to pray. We need to fast. You know, the whole list of things that we need to do. Well, let's say that we've done all of these things. What is there that can possibly hold us back after we've done all these things? We have an enemy. There are too many people that don't believe that we do, but we do. And I promise you, I'm going to tell you one instance of an event in my life tonight. It's very revealing. I think Mr. B has heard it before, and, and there's some particular information related to Mr. B. But um, there is one particular instant in my life, and then there's another one that's, that's equal in, in its intensity in my life. And the enemy never comes to me and attacks me with memories of this event or the other event. Never. And I really believe the reason is because I have asked God's forgiveness about that. And what does the song say? You know, at, as you speak, a hundred billion failures disappear. That's, that's what it's talking about when it says failures. That's our mistakes. Now, this, this is my definition of what a mistake is. A mistake is when you do something and the outcome is not what you wanted. Now, you hardly ever do you hear people say, you know, I've, made a, I've had a few sins. No, they say, I've made a few mistakes. You'll hear that. And since I started putting this message together, it's amazing to me the number of times I've heard people say, well, you know, I've made a bunch of mistakes. And uh, bless her heart, um, Meta, Meta, who spoke the other week, she, she said at the beginning of her message, she said, well, I've made a few mistakes. So she's like, she's like the rest of us. And I, I appreciate all of the young people that will get up here and, and deliver what's on their heart. I will, make, I will make an offer to any of you that ever wants to take what's on your heart and make a message and present it here. Now, you know Kenny has certain criteria. He says that you need to be a, part, a member of a small group. You need to be a regular attender here. You need to be doing many things correctly to be a candidate for somebody to stand up here and do what I'm doing today. But I promise you, if you will get his approval and you are afraid of making a mistake when you come up here, I will help you come up with a message. What I'll do is I'll take, I'll help you take what you have on your heart and we'll put scriptures with it and we'll, you know, we'll do everything to create a message. I'll, I'll make that promise to you. I will help you do that if that's what you want to do. As I say, once you have that approval. Because I want, I want to help you avoid making what you think is a mistake. And I've got something I'm going to read from a 
some, somebody you know very well later on about mistakes, what we call mistakes. So keep that in mind. We have an enemy that wants to remind us of those things that we've done that didn't come out like we thought that they should. Now, what is sin? People kind of use mistakes to mean sin sometimes and sin to mean mistakes. What is sin? I believe it's anything that you do, either willingly or even accidentally, that hurts the heart of God. It's that simple. So what do you do if you're confused? You say, well, I don't know if that's just a mistake or whether that's a sin or let's see. I don't know. Let me talk to somebody about that. The thing to do is to go to God with it, whatever it is. If it troubles you, go to God with it. If it hurt, has hurt someone else, go to them, ask for their forgiveness, and go to God asking him about it. And, and if you feel convicted about it, then ask him to forgive you. And it's fine to ask for a mistake to be forgiven. Even, you know, I, I stood up there and talked in front of the all those people, and, and I know it didn't sound right, and, you know, that's a terrible mistake. We'll ask God to help you with that. It's simple. It really is simple. Okay, I'm going to talk about some characters tonight, one of whom is Jonah. What a goofball. If you'd put that first scripture up there, Anthony. The word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai. Now, who is, who is this Jonah other than we know who his father is? I don't know. A guy. God said, go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it because its wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed for Tarshish. Isn't that stupid? That's about the dumbest thing. God tells you to do something and you run the other way. Okay, let's, let's, let's cut a little slack here for Jonah. He's going to Assyria. He knows, he knows where Nineveh is. He's going, and he's, he's a Hebrew, and he's going to this bunch of heathens, and he's supposed to preach to them? Now, God, surely you've got this wrong. I'm afraid. I'm afraid this is a mistake. I'm afraid I'll make a mistake. I'll go up there and say the wrong thing, and they'll just cut my head off, and that'll be the end of the thing. And what have I done? Lord, I think you're wrong. So what does he do? He ran away and headed for Tarshish. He went down to Joppa, which is on the Mediterranean Sea, where he found a ship bound for that port. After paying the fare, he went aboard and sailed for Tarshish to flee from the Lord. He's made a big mistake. Okay. Then the Lord sent a great wind on the sea, and such a violent storm arose that the ship threatened to break up. All the sailors were afraid, and each cried out to his own God. So they were not Hebrews, obviously. And they threw the cargo into the sea to lighten the ship. But Jonah had gone below deck where he lay down and fell into a deep sleep. Boy, this guy's got a lot of nerve. Not only did he disobey God and run the other way, but he's just kind of written it all off and gone to sleep. The captain went to him and said, how can you sleep? Get up and call on your God. He must have known that he had a different God than he did. How did that happen? maybe he will take notice of us so that we will not perish. Then the sailors said to each other, come let us cast lots to find out who is responsible for this calamity. Now what does casting lots mean? I'm going to just 
mention this because we see that sometimes in the Bible. It's any act that requires a random action to take place. It could be rolling dice. It could be drawing straws to see who gets the short straw. And, you know, that was not an unknown thing, even, even among Hebrews, because it says that they drew lots after uh, Judas committed suicide when he turned Jesus in and said they drew lots in order to find Matthias, who was the next replacement for Judas. So it was commonly done. Well, we got we to do something. Roll dice, uh, draw straws, something. So that's what they did. They cast lots and the lot fell on Jonah. Hmm, how did that happen? So they asked him, tell us who is responsible for making all this trouble for us. And then they say all this crazy stuff. What kind of work did you do? Where do you come from? What's your country? From what people are you? He answered, I'm a Hebrew and I worship the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. Well, see, this, this Jonah guy's got a few qualities about him. I mean, he's right up front and says, you know, I don't worship the same God that you do. I, I worship the God who created all of this, and I don't mind admitting it. This terrified them, and they asked, what have you done? Because in that day and time, when calamity befell somebody, it meant they had done something wrong. You know, random things like trees falling on people. That is, there's a cause for that. It's not random. And this says they knew he was running from the Lord because he had already told them so. Now, that's really dumb. I'm running, I'm running from my God. I believe, I believe he's the one true God, but I'm running from him. And I want you all to know I'm running away. I don't quite know that, why that is. The sea was getting rougher and rougher, so they asked him, what should we do to you to make the sea calm down for us? Pick me up, and, and again, again, this is Jonah's character. Pick me up and throw me into the sea. If it will save you guys, throw me into the sea. See, he's not all bad. He replied, and it will become calm. I know that it is my fault that this great storm has come upon you. Taking, I've made a mistake. I admit it. I'm raising my hand. I have made a mistake. Instead, the men did their best to row back to land, but they could not, for the sea grew even wilder than before. Then they cried out to the Lord, to Jonah's Lord, Please, Lord, do not let us die for taking this man's life. Do not hold us accountable for killing an innocent man, for you, Lord, have done as you pleased. Now they've left their gods and they're speaking to Jonah's God. Then they took Jonah and threw him overboard, and the raging sea grew calm. At this, the men greatly feared the Lord, and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows to him. They've started worshiping the God of Jonah. Jonah has saved all the men on that ship by owning up and saying, I've made a mistake, but I still believe in the one true God. I'm guilty. Here I am, Lord. I'm guilty. I've done it. I've done it. Now the Lord provided a huge fish to swallow Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. Okay, so Jonah is in the belly of the whale and Jonah has a, an epiphany. He's made a big mistake. So he gets in the belly of the whale and I can only imagine, well, 
whale, large fish, large fish. Okay, let's be, let's be correct here, large fish. All right, so he's in there and he begins to think about what he's done. Again, he seems to be a pretty decent fellow other than he's afraid of that task that the Lord gave him. He's afraid that he will make a mistake. And he's run away and in the process made another mistake. Okay. All right, give me the next one, Anthony. So he says to the Lord, this is very poetic. He says, when my life was ebbing away, I remembered you, Lord, and my prayer rose to you, to your holy temple. Those who cling to worthless idols turn away from God's love for them. But I, with shouts of grateful praise, will sacrifice to you. He's saying, I don't believe it's over. I don't believe it's over. I've made a mistake, but I don't believe it's over. I believe, God, that you are righteous and that you can forgive me. What I have vowed, I will make good. I will say salvation comes from the Lord. And the Lord commanded the fish and it vomited Jonah onto dry land. Okay. This is a little different picture than we usually think of when we think of Jonah. Okay, so Jonah's out on dry land. What does he do now? What does he do now? Okay, give me uh, Philippians 3. Anthony, this is, this is what the Apostle Paul said. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead. Yep. I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. So Paul is saying, regardless of how much I've messed up, and obviously I did because I persecuted Christians, I persecuted the very people I'm preaching to now. He said, but I'm, I'm, I'm putting all that behind me. I'm putting all that behind me. And I would say that to y'all tonight, that in these examples, when you see, and, and it's remarkable to me that the Bible is very transparent and shows people as they really are, you know, they're not always good, and yes, they do make mistakes. But he's saying, we press on. All right, give me some more. Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. What? So God didn't say, now what? Jonah, come on now. Don't you realize what you've done? You know, you don't mean to put you in another fish? Do you? No, it simply says the word came to Jonah a second time. Go to the great city of Nineveh and proclaim to it the message I give you. And Jonah must not have thought he could do this. He thought it was a mistake for the Lord to send him, but this is what he does. Jonah obeyed the word of the Lord and went to Nineveh. Now, Nineveh was a very large city. It took three days to go through it. That's big. Jonah began by going a day's journey into the city proclaiming. This is, this is Jonah's sermon Forty more days and Nineveh will be overthrown. Boy, that's, that's really slick, isn't it? Okay. The Ninevites believed God. A fast was proclaimed and all of them from the greatest to the least put on sackcloth. <laughs> wow. 
So the city, and, and there is more about that, about the king himself comes down and dresses in sackcloth and sits on a heap of ashes, et cetera, et cetera. So Jonah preaching that one little sermon saves the entire city of Nineveh. All the men on the ship were saved. And Jonah had messed up. He messed up, but he didn't let that hold him back, did he? He did not let that hold him back. Okay. I'm going to tell you all a little story about myself. And I have struggled mightily with this. Uh, this, this is a confession. Uh, years ago, well, I'm a, I'm a Vietnam veteran. Y'all know that. Um, you know, when you, when you make a vow to the Lord, you tend to take it pretty seriously. If you get yourself in a situation where you say, Lord, I'm going to do such and such. That's pretty serious business. Well, years ago, back in the late 90s, I, belong, I attended a lot of events called Promise Keepers. Mr. B, Mr. B was very prominent with the Promise Keepers. And we would have a breakfast on Saturday mornings at the Western Sizzlin' in Anniston. And uh, I had a job at the time. I would get up during the week. I would get up at uh, 5 o'clock in the morning, wash my face, throw my clothes on, had a cup of coffee already made, grab a muffin or something, get in the car, shaving with a, a shaver on the way to work in Atlanta. So getting up at 5 o'clock was not my favorite thing to do. We were going to have a Promise Keepers meeting on Saturday morning, I think at 7, I think is when we had breakfast. I think it, I think it was, Roger. Well, I woke up at 4.45. What am I doing awake? I knew I was going to the Promise Keepers. What am I doing awake? I got up and got dressed, drank my coffee. Well, it's 5 now. I've got till 7 o'clock. I think I'll go for a walk. And I stopped and said, go for a walk. I don't go for walks, especially not at 5 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> it made no sense to me whatsoever. And I started walking through our neighborhood. And y'all bear with me. It's a little <clears throat> I have some difficulty saying this. But I looked at the sky, and it was a, a breezy morning. And the, had a full moon, and clouds were going across the moon. And um, I saw the very same sky I had seen in Vietnam 30 years before. And I had called out to the Lord. It was a situation where I had to take my men and we went out on a barrier at the post where we were and take over from the infantry. And we were going to be the people that kept the bad guys from coming in. I was scared to death. And you have a... When you go to some installation like that, you have a, a sign and countersign, passwords, and I completely forgot what they were. So I'm the guy, I'm the lieutenant that goes up front to present my troops and say, we're taking over, and I go up and the guard challenges me, and he says, Mickey, and the countersign's supposed to be mouse, let's just use that as an example, and I didn't know what it was. I said, dear God, I'm going to die right here. This man can shoot me right now. And that's when I had cried out to the Lord and said, Lord, if you will save me from this, I'll never forget it. And I had for 30 years. 
for 30 years. So I saw that this, that morning, and I went down to my knees, and I cried out to the Lord to forgive me, forgive me. You know what the Lord said to me about all that? Nothing, nothing. He had done what he wanted to do. He wanted to present to me the evidence of my mistake, my mistake. I knew what I'd done. I repented of it right away. And I have never, I've never had a nightmare about that. I've never had any thoughts about it. And to be honest with you, I struggle a little bit to tell you all about that tonight because in a certain way, I feel that's between me and the Lord. It's not even, it's not even part of a, it should not even be part of this message. I mean, it's miraculous to me, but it's like, well, I, I confessed my sin to the Lord and he forgave me. Why, why do I even have to share it with anybody else? I mean, that, that part of me said that. So, so that's my little story about my mistake and, and, and how the Lord treated me with that. With, I, I cannot imagine, I cannot imagine a, a Lord that would wait 30 years to present that, to line everything up, the sky, the, the circumstances and everything, just to present to me, remember. That's what it was, just remember. So, that was one of about three events that happened in pretty, pretty close order that were a real turning point in my life. I, I talked about one Sunday night and I shared in our, our small group and there's another one, but I, I'm not going to talk about that now. Um, okay, let's talk about another instance from Scripture. Let's go to Matthew. Okay, when Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say the Son of Man is? They replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others, Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. But what about you, he asked. Who do you say I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. Jesus replied, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Then he orders his disciples not to tell anyone that he was the Messiah. So what did he give to Peter? Keys of the kingdom. And then not long afterwards, he tells Peter, you're going to deny me three times. Whoa, wait a minute. Peter, this hot-headed guy, I mean, the guy that cut a servant's ear off trying to defend the Lord. I mean, which way is he? He's for Jesus? Is he, is he against him? I mean, there again, what a goofball. So what's the outcome of that? We know that Peter denied Christ three times. He said, oh, I don't know the man. Oh, uh, no, I wasn't there. No, it's not me. Oh, it couldn't be me. And he felt badly about it. There's no doubt. He made a terrible mistake. 
in his book, he made a terrible mistake. And the Lord told him he was going to make that mistake. Why could he not avoid it? The Lord told him he was going to. Why could he not? All right, next scripture, Anthony. Now, this is after Jesus is resurrected. So Jesus meets Peter, and he says, Peter, you messed up. Give me the, king, the keys back. Did he say that? No, no. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, and you all know the story, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. Very truly, I say, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and you went where you wanted. But when you're old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. Then he said to him, follow me. So Peter has messed up big time. Jesus tests him a little bit. He says, never mind what you've done. He didn't even bring it up. He didn't say, Peter, three times. I told you you would, and you didn't do anything about it. You still denied me three times. He simply asked him, do you really love me? And when Peter answered correctly, he said, well, I'll just tell you how you're going to die. What did Peter do? He went and died. So that's how God can lift us up. We can make mistakes. We do. We make mistakes. These are notable people that made mistakes. And God's grace was there for them. It's there for you. It's there, there for all of us. Now, for, for young people again, let, let me say this, that we're often afraid to do things. We are concerned about what other people think about us. Oh, well, if I get up and say this and, and I, I can't find my scripture and I have to flip, flip through the Bible, they'll be laughing at me. I've done it many a time. I'll do it. I'll do it again. I promise you. I'm going to read from what a, a notable individual had to say. Anybody know who Tim Tebow is? Connie, are you back there? <laughs> this, is, this is what Tim Tebow had to say. Tim Tebow, the New York Mets prospect, is expected to start the season in AAA this season and met with the media as spring training is upon us. He was talking about how he doesn't understand why people don't like him and how he deals with it. It's really about keeping perspective and not letting other people define you because they sure want to. They want to say you've messed up. Tebow said Sunday, I try to encourage young people all the time not to let outside sources define you because you're always going to have critics and naysayers and people tell you that you won't, that you can't, that you shouldn't. 
Most of these people are the people that didn't, that wouldn't, that couldn't. Don't be defined by the outside sources. You go after your dreams. It's having to not live with regret because I didn't try. I feel for all the young people who don't go after something because they are so afraid of failing that you're going to live with a lot more regret than if you would have and you failed. <clears throat> Part of the reason Tebow said people don't chase dreams is because of the reaction it gets. I think the reason people don't go after things is because <clears throat> how much they, you will be criticized, he said. What if I fall flat on my face? Fear and doubt creep in. I don't believe that is the healthiest way to live. I don't want to live with fear and doubt every day, regardless of what everybody says about me. It doesn't define me. <clears throat> I'm grateful that it doesn't define me. There is one thing that defines me, and that's what God says about me. Besides that, I get to go live out my dreams and help as many people along the way as possible. Isn't that great? Yeah. Now, he's not fearful of what you know, people would say, he's, how he's made a mistake. Now, this trying out for AAA again and all this kind of good stuff. Well, he's tried that before, and he didn't make it. And da, 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 da. To which he says, that's what I want to do. I want to play baseball. I'm going to play baseball. And I can help people along the way. See, I'll be out there where people will be covering me. There'll be, there'll be sports writers there, and there'll be newscasters filming me and asking me what I'm doing now and how I feel about it. So in his failure, if, if he does fail, in his failure, he will be reaching people. See? <clears throat> All right. I have a special prayer. And I think that this is appropriate. And as the band comes up, I would, I would ask y'all to uh, listen attentively. While I'm going to read this prayer. So y'all pray with me. Father, I don't feel much like a warrior today. In yesterday's battle, I dropped my sword, fell off my horse, and helped the enemy get more land rather than holding him back. But I come to you to ask if you will give me one more chance to fight for your kingdom. Lord, here's my belt. Often it comes loose. Tighten it around my waist and tie it in knots so everything will stay in place. Here is my breastplate, full of dents from battles past, won and lost. But I know if you latch it with your mighty hands that it will protect me. Father, here are my shoes, all muddy from when it stepped in the wrong place. And they seem a bit big, but they're the shoes you gave me, so I know my feet will grow to fit them. Polish them clean and lace them tight so they can lead me into battle. Here is my shield, so big and heavy that sometimes I'm tempted to drag it behind me. Strap it to my arms so that I have no choice but to build the strength to hold it up. Father, here is my helmet. Place it on the way it goes so that it will see what is before me and not what is behind. And grease the hinge so that in times of trouble I can lift the flap call to you. Here is my sword, mighty and deadly, but unsteady in my hand. Fasten it to my side that I will come to memorize the curves of its blade and learn to rely on its sharp edge. And my cloak, often forgotten in the shuffle, tie it around my neck so that it can cover all of me, so I can feel it about me at all times. Amen.